2 King chapter 6, and I want to look at verses 15 through 18 this morning. And it says these words, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now go down the road in the New Testament to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I just want to look at one verse this morning. And it's verse 31. Hallelujah. It's good to be back. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, and I will look at verse 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Today I want to talk about the key to victory in this life. This key is so important that if you fail to do This one thing, you will be miserable and live a life of despair and defeat, which, by the way, is not the will of God for your life. How many of you figured that out by now, by reading the word? This key that I want to share with you today will cause all of the areas in your life to line up with the will of God. On the other hand, if this one thing is lacking, your whole life will be spiritually out of order and nothing will fall into place for you. That one all-important key is this, maintaining a heavenly perspective in this life. Maintaining a heavenly perspective in this life. Now, the the word perspective has a few definitions, but the, the way I'm using it today is a view. It's a view, or how you view something. In 2 Kings chapter 6 that I just read, the enemy, Syria, was surrounding Israel and the prophet Elisha prayed for his fearful servant. There was a servant with him and he was fearful. And Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open to behold what was happening in the spirit realm. He knew what was happening in the natural, right? He's seen the enemy surrounding Israel, and he was fearful. That's all he was seeing at the moment. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see basically what is going on in the supernatural, in the spirit realm. And when God opened his eyes to the spirit realm, he's seen horses and chariots of fire. What he was seeing was the angelic help. God's ministering spirit sent to help Israel come out of that situation. 
If we could see, if God were to open our eyes in the situations that we encounter in life, we would be amazed to see the help that God has sent in the situations that we encounter. When we wake up every morning, we are faced with a, or when we're faced with a trial or a a circumstance in life, we have a choice to make. We We have a very important choice to make when we get out of bed every morning. Will we look at these things from a worldly perspective or just in the natural? Or will we look at it from a heavenly perspective? Perspective is everything in life. How many of you know you can set something on a table and you ask someone what, they, what they're looking at and you'll get two different answers. You, you might get many different answers. What does this mean to you? You'll get so many answers. It's all about perspective. The great preacher, Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you know who that was back in the day? Powerful man of God. He once said these words. He said, we must look at earth's problems from heaven's viewpoint. If we would honestly do that, problems would not look as big as we make them out to be. Looking at problems from heaven's viewpoint or a heavenly perspective means To view that situation, view that trial in light of the promises found in the word of God. And not just from what you see with your natural eyes. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says these words. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That, I tell you right now, that's what the, the scripture we have going across our website. That's one of my life verses. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, what we see in the natural is not all there is to life. God is doing something in the realm of the Spirit. Amen? A heavenly perspective will never lean or rely upon the wisdom of man. But in the power of God, in the promises of God, in the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's all about perspective. That person will always go back to see what God says about their situation. And many times, if we would just be honest about it this morning, many times we as Christians get, we we get too lazy to take the time in a trial, in a situation. We let, we let the, the overwhelming burden of the situation take us over and we get lazy. We fail to go to God's word to see what he promised us. And to look at it from his perspective. Amen? Say lazy. We get too lazy. We would rather complain and moan about the situation. We would rather have a pity party about the situation than to go to God's word and see how heaven views it. And how he's going to pull us out of the situation. But those people who end up complaining... They end up suffering consequences that could have been avoided if they would simply have maintained a spiritual, a heavenly perspective on their situation. Listen, the world, the natural is void of any heavenly perspective. Have you figured that out yet? Go ahead, you just turn on CNN, Fox News, secular television and it won't take you long to figure out they don't have a heavenly perspective on life 
They don't have a heavenly perspective on what's going on in Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. They don't know. They don't have a heavenly perspective. The world is void of that heavenly perspective. It is void of the anointing. It's void of the presence and power of God to help overcome anything in your life that's going to be lasting. Are you hearing me? However, the word of the living God is immersed, is full of the anointing, is full of power. And it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage in our lives. Meditating on the word of God will cause our spiritual eyes to be open. And the problems in this life will seem small in the light of eternity. Are you hearing me, somebody? Trust me, I know what I'm talking about this morning. It's not, to, to me now, after going through this with my, the death of my mom just a month ago, I can honestly say I'm just not preaching this, but I'm going through this thing right now. And I'm telling you, if you don't maintain a heavenly perspective in the trials of life, I can see how someone would go batty. There's no hope. Well, or what they're doing is they're going to try to fill that void with alcohol, drugs, sex. Are you hearing me? With sin. And that is just a cover-up. It doesn't heal anything. It's only the Word of God. I'm telling you, we need a heavenly perspective on life. Maintaining a heavenly perspective in this life will help you to view trials as a stepping stone and not as a dead-end road to nowhere. Go to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. It's a stepping stone. Look, it doesn't matter what you're going through. What you're going through right now did not take God by surprise. When this trial, this circumstance happened in your life, God didn't say, didn't scratch his head up in heaven and say, Oh man, I don't know what to do now in your life. I guess it's just over for you. Are you hearing me? God is the master coordinator. Oh, hallelujah, I'm telling you. He is the master coordinator, and he will turn that thing around for good. First Peter 1, 3 and 9 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, has, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Say living hope. It is a living hope. I'm telling you that right now. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Heavenly perspective. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. In this. You greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. 
receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This has become so real to me. I'm telling you, you can have all the faith talk you want, but if you're breathing and and you have blood pumping through your body, you are going to face trials and storms in this life. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. I don't mean to rain on your parade or your faith party, but I'm just telling you, we need to be realistic about this. The storms will come in life. And you need to be prepared for them. You need to be prepared. We will go through fiery trials on this earth. But the smell of smoke doesn't have to be on us in the midst of it. We may walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this life. But we don't have to stay there. Keep moving forward with God. Are you hearing me somebody? Choose. With your free will to believe in the promises of God. Choose to believe in the goodness of God. And the mercy of God in your life. And in the situation you're facing right now. You may not understand what is happening or why something happened in your life. I don't understand why mom died at 54 years old. I don't know. But I do know God is a good God. Amen. He is a good God. Now, I may bring this thing up a lot in this sermon and in days to come, but let's face it, this is what I'm dealing with right now. And if I can minister to someone else, praise God. Amen? See, quite often in a sermon, a pastor, he'll preach on what he's going through because it's so real to him at the moment or her. Amen? And God will use that, and I pray he does. But listen... Our job in the midst of any trial or circumstance is to simply trust and obey the Word of God. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Let me say it again. Our job in the midst of any trial or any circumstance is to simply trust and obey the Word of God. And when we do that without being double-minded... God will move on our behalf in his perfect timing. Amen? One minister said this, and and it was like, wow, that's powerful. Listen to this. He said, everything that we need in this life is found on the path of obedience. Everything you're going to need to make it through in this life, no matter what you're going through, Is found on the path of obedience. You get off that path. You may not find your provision. Everything we need. Is found on the path of obedience. Stay on the path. Don't get off of it. Stay close to God. You may not understand it all. But you're not. You and I are not abandoned on this earth. God is with us. Amen. Second Thessalonians 1. Go there with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says these words, We are bound to, to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you, of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your, underline this, 
patience and faith. In all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. I want you to notice that patience and faith go together. You cannot separate patience and faith. They are twins. Patience is very tough at times, isn't it? But patience and faith always go together. Why is that? Patience and faith always go together because, listen, faith carries you through from the time of believing the promises of God until they manifest in the natural in your life. And that, as you found out by now, if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, it takes patience. God, you're not doing it on my time. Patience. I'm working this plan out. Your job is to simply trust and obey. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, if we trust and obey him, he is going to come through. We act like babies sometimes. That, we, well, you didn't come on my time. I confess this, I confess that. See, it just doesn't work. No, your job is to keep believing him. He's not a liar. You just keep believing him and obeying him, and it's going to come to pass. It will. Maintaining a heavenly perspective in life will cause you to believe and act on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That says these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Nothing. There is absolutely nothing that you have gone through. There is nothing that you're ever going to face in this life that takes God by surprise. Nothing. God requires us to trust him with our whole heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not half. Not 90%. Not even 99.9%. But all your heart. God requires, listen to, listen to this. God requires an idle free heart. Let me say that again. God requires a idle, free heart. What is an idol? An idol is anything that you exalt above God in your life. Every idol in your life, in your heart, must be cast down. And sometimes we make our own intellect an idol. Well, God, you should do it this way. My way is better than... Hello, somebody. We try to counsel God. But anything you exalt in your life above God is an idol. And the, I believe it's the end of 1 John, the book of 1 John, it says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Like, I, I just, I gotta camp out here a minute. Sometimes we make our own intellect an idol. We seem to talk ourselves out of trusting God. And why our way makes more sense than God's way. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything that happens on this earth is not the will of God. I, I, don't, I don't believe it was the will of God for my mom to go home at 54. I don't believe it's the will of God for, uh, for this, someone in the world right now is getting raped. I don't believe it's the will of God someone right now is being murdered by someone. Are you hearing me? 
I'm just telling you, we have to hold on to the anchor of God's word. Because uh, it is an anchor. It, the word of God is an anchor. But we try to talk ourselves out of trusting God and why our way makes more sense than God's way of doing things. Moses had that problem, by the way. When God first called him to be the deliverer of the children of Israel, he made excuses of why God should not use him. God, did, I can't, 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 can't talk, 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 talk. God, I can't talk. Hello, somebody. And what happened? God got angry at him. He said, you think that took me by surprise, Moses? I know you better than you know yourself. But I'm calling you. And my grace is going to be upon you. Well, you all know the story, most of you. Finally, Moses put his natural mind in neutral and had enough faith to lift up his rod by the Red Sea and see the wonderful works of God in his ministry. Are you hearing me, somebody? There's just a time that we need to put our minds in neutral and let go and let God take it. Don't sit there and tell God that you're unworthy. Don't sit there and tell God, God, why are you choosing me? Who cares? Praise God, he's using you. Go out and do the job. Go out and do it. I'm talking about today, by the way, if I haven't told you, viewing life from a heavenly perspective. God's perspective. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Let me look at those two verses again here. Powerful. Are you getting anything out of this? Put your mind in neutral and just believe God. Believe God's word. Believe his promises with childlike faith. That's what he's looking for. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says these words, talking about Jesus. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, a heavenly perspective. With a heavenly perspective, we can see and love Jesus with the eyes of faith through the word of God. We get to know Jesus through this book right here, the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Word of God come as a package deal, by the way. If you ever hear a person say, yeah, I love Jesus, but the Word of God, no, nah, that's just a book. Don't believe them, they're a liar. Jesus and the Word of God come as a package deal. Amen? Amen? You cannot love one without the other. But this scripture says we love Jesus because we believe what we're reading. Because we're believing the word. Because we're believing what we're reading. We can love him. And we have joy inexpressible. In Hebrews I believe it says by faith we understand the worlds were created out of nothing. See faith understands. Faith understands. You try telling the world that, an unbeliever that, they have no clue. Why? Because they're just dealing with this thing right up here. They're spiritually dead. Are you hearing me? And faith is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. Hallelujah. So you cannot love Jesus and not the Word of God. The Word of God reveals who Jesus is. And that heavenly perspective will cause us to rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. 
Uh, since the, I, I just feel like I need to share this. It's not in my notes, but I feel like I need to share it. But it says, believing we understand this and believing we know Jesus. Since the passing of my mom, I can tell you right now, I feel so close to heaven. Having someone who I was so close to in this life, who, who I know is there, I feel close to heaven. I'll tell you right now, any fear of death I had, it's gone. Because by faith, I understand that there is a real heaven. By faith, I understand. I believe this. And that's not just a crutch because I'm trying to find hope in the midst of this terrible situation. No, I believe it. She is there. I feel close to heaven. Hallelujah. And, and it, it's the wildest thing. And I know it's your, no, 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 I'm not suicidal. No, I'm not ready to go to heaven right now. But I'll tell you what, if I did, praise God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. If, whenever, if you lose someone this close to you, I, I'm telling you, it just, you feel that connection with heaven. And, the, and, and I have a greater thrust for evangelism on me right now. I don't want to see anyone go to hell. A family member uh, who, who may be in hell. What a, what a tormenting thought that must be. What a tormenting thought. And how much work we have on this earth to bring people to Jesus. Amen? So because of the word of God, what the word says... We, even in the midst of losing such a close family member, we can have joy inexpressible and full of glory. Hallelujah. The Word of God says in Nehemiah 8.10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So then that means if you fail to maintain a heavenly perspective in this life, on this earth, you are weak and powerless to face or overcome any trial. Or any circumstance in your life. Because the joy of the Lord has to come. I'm telling you, it has to come from a heavenly perspective of life. And you can only get that heavenly perspective from the word of the living God. That's it. You're not going to get it going to a psychic. You're not going to get it playing with the Ouija board and communicating with demons. Are you hearing me, somebody? You're only going to get that heavenly perspective. God's point of view of who you are. And and the circumstances that you're going to face in your life. That heavenly perspective, you're only going to get it through the word. The written word of God. And that's when the Holy Spirit kicks in and shows you how to apply these promises. In your life and in your circumstance. See, the devil and evil spirits know this truth. And that's why they fight so hard to throw fiery darts in your thought life and try to discourage you. They're trying to take you out of the race. Are you hearing me? They're trying to take you out of the race. It's a mind game. You need to cast down those strongholds. You need to cast down everything that does not line up with the word of the living God. Anything that comes into your thought life that is not in line with the word of God is from the devil. Are you hearing me? Throw it in the trash. 
throw it in the trash. The fact is this, I'm going to say it again, there is no situation that God cannot turn around. Hopelessness, hopelessness is not in God's vocabulary and it shouldn't be in ours as a child of God. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. How am I going to make it, Lord? This seems so tough. Every day is so hard. How am I going to make it? You're going to make it. Just hold on to him. Let's talk about a situation in the natural that seems so hopeless. The Apostle Paul and Silas in prison. Instead of complaining and getting angry at God because Paul and Silas were thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Casting a demon out of a, a, a psychic, basically. This lady stopped making money for her masters. These people got mad and they thrown Paul and Silas in prison. Now, can you imagine how many of us would be sitting in prison saying... God, I'm doing your work, and this is how I'm treated? I get thrown in prison? I got chains? I'm bound with chains? Surely, God, you're bigger than that. No, what did they do? They were able to maintain a heavenly perspective in this situation, and God showed up with supernatural, supernatural results. Go to Acts 16. Let's read through this. I know most of you know it, but it's powerful to read through it. You can never hear the word of God enough. Amen? Amen. The moment you say, oh, I've read that before, you're finished, you're done, the devil's got you. Are you hearing me? We need to keep feeding ourselves with the word of God. John 3, 16, keep reading it. I don't care if it's been a million times. Feed on it. Amen? Acts 16, 25 through 26. Listen to this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Listen. To be heavenly minded means that even in the midnight hour of your life, even in the darkest hour of your life, being spiritually minded, heavenly perspective means that we can still lift our hands and voices to God and praise Him in the midst of the storm. Oh, what awesome miracles, signs, and wonders that would take place if we would, with a pure and single-minded heart, believe God, praise God when the waves are crashing against us. How God would lift up a standard against the enemy, how God will lift us up and shelter us with his peace that passes all understanding. And God is ready and willing to part your Red Sea. He is ready and willing to part your Jordan River for you to cross over to your promised land. And it may only time in this dark situation... In this trial you're in, it may be only one more time of raising your hands to him. It may be one more time of giving him thanks in this situation, and that's when your deliverance may come. Oh, what a terrible thing it would be when we get to heaven as Christians. In God, we sit down in our easy chair up there. God flips on the big screen TV. 
And he shows us all the situations that the trials we went through. And he says, look, this is the outcome, what happened, obviously. But look, if you would have lifted your hand and thanked me one more time. If you would have just praised me one more time, look what would happen. Are you hearing me? Oh, how we make it so hard on ourselves if we would simply just praise God. It says, God says, thank him in everything, not for everything. Because, doggone it, there's just some things that don't happen and God doesn't do it. But it says in everything. Why? Because he's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. So I want to encourage you to draw closer to him in the storm and not farther away from him. A heavenly perspective will choose to believe Romans 8.28. Go there with me. Romans 8.28. You go through a situation that my family, my sister's family, and my dad are going through right now. You have two choices. You can forsake God get mad at him or you can cling on to this scripture right here listen to this and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god and to those who are the called according to his purpose now i want you to know something i want you to notice that there are two conditions in this verse that must be met before we receive the promise of this verse. Before, before uh, that all things can work together for the good, there's two things. Number one, it says we must love God. All right? We must love God. And number two, we must be called according to his purpose. What does that mean? In other words, we must choose to live in the will of God for our lives. To love God means more than lip service. It means obedience to the written word of God. Jesus said these words in John 15. If you love me, keep my commands. It's more than lip service. Oh God, I love you. And then act like the devil all week. It's about obedience. To love God means Obedience to the written word of God. A heavenly perspective will always count the treasures of heaven or treasures in heaven greater than anything on this earth. Matthew 6. Go there with me. Matthew 6. You know, we, we get so tangled up in things that don't mean a hill of beans in the light of eternity. We end up getting ulcers because of these earthly things. Storing treasures up on earth. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to have money on earth. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong for that. But it's wrong for those things to have you. All right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus said these words. So I'd say it's a pretty reliable source. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A heavenly perspective is a matter of the heart. It's about your heart condition. 
Not the physical pump, your spirit man I'm talking about. It's about your heart. What do you fill your life with right now? What do you base, listen, what do you base your value, the value of your life on? Worldly things such as your job, money, your nice home. Or do you base the value of your life on who you are in Christ and who God says you are through him? Do you know, did you know that God is no respecter of persons? What does that mean? That means God does not care how much money you have in the bank. God doesn't care how, much, how big your house is, how many square feet it is. God doesn't care if you're the president of the United States. God doesn't care if you're a pastor. God doesn't care if you got millions of people following you. He is no respecter of persons. Spiritually speaking, it is a level playing field in the sight of God. He is, a, however, a respecter of faith. God is a respecter of faith, not of persons, but he's a respecter of faith. And that view comes from a heavenly perspective, by the way. The fact is this. Earth is not our home as Christians. Heaven is. Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven if you're a Christian today. So I want to encourage everybody. It's, well, it's not bad to have earthly things. Don't get me wrong. But what I want to say is this. Don't hold on too tight to the things of this world. You will not take anything with you when you leave this earth. And I'll tell you, one person who had an incredible grasp on this is my mom. She was the kindest person. She had a heavenly perspective. She was amazing. And I want to follow in her footsteps. Amen? When you and I take our last breath on this earth, listen to this. It does not matter what is in your hand. What matters is what and who is in your heart. I know this. I was the car right behind my mom's hearse. And there was no U-Haul behind it. No U-Haul. Don't hold on too tight to the things of this earth. In fact, I want to encourage you to get hungry for eternal life. I want you to get hungry for heaven. I want you to maintain a heavenly perspective. And I'll tell you, when you do that, you'll become on fire for Jesus. And you're going to do more things. You're going to make more of an impact on this earth for Jesus with a heavenly perspective. The Christian life is all about the heart. Say that with me. Say, the Christian life is all about my heart. Say this. It doesn't matter what's in my bank account or what's in my hand. What have I done for Jesus? Did you sow into spiritual things contained in the Word of God? Did you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life? If you were to leave this earth right now, how would people remember you? How would people remember you? Did you touch their lives? Did you make an impact for Jesus Christ? And this leads me to my next point here. 
maintaining a heavenly or spiritual perspective in this life will cause you to hate sin just as much as God hates sin. If you don't, I'm telling if you, if you don't hate sin, if you don't abhor sin, you're lacking a heavenly perspective in this life. Why? Why is that? First of all, you want to, with a heavenly perspective, you will want to avoid anything that displeases God. Anything. Say anything. Anything that displeases God. You want to avoid it. Anything that the word of God says is off limits or out of bounds for his children. You'll say, no devil, I don't want it. I'm maintaining a heavenly and spiritual perspective. I want to please God and him alone. Because I'll tell you right now, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter who's watching you, who's looking at you. You have an audience of one. One that really matters. And it is him that we're going to have to answer to on judgment day. Adam and Eve's sin turned the world upside down. Why would we hate sin just as much as God does if we're going to maintain a heavenly perspective? Because sin turned the world upside down. God's original intent was thwarted. Are you hearing me? If Adam and Eve didn't sin, which was, was the will of God for that to happen? How many of you believe that? Oh, just a couple of you. So you're telling me sin's the will of God then? Okay, no, sin is not the will of God. God's original intent was to create this. This, what we're standing on this earth, was to be a paradise for us. If Adam and Eve didn't sin, this would be a paradise right now. But why would we hate sin just as much as God does if we're going to maintain a heavenly perspective? Because look around you. The heartache, the sorrow, and the pain that was caused by the fall by sin. Sin is an enemy of God. You need to know as a Christian that all things on this earth are not acceptable to God. All things on the, I, I, I just run into too many people. They think they can come to church and feel good about themselves. And then, then they go and, and they're doing something that is like totally against the word. And I'm like, oh my goodness. All things are not acceptable to God. Look at Romans 12. You know, in 1 John it talks about that that book was written, 1 John that we would have assurance of our salvation. Right? How many of you know our, our salvation should not be a guessing game? We should have confidence that when we take our last breath as Christians, we're going to heaven. But do you want to know the one thing? You read it for yourself in there. The one thing that causes that assurance to go bye-bye in our lives? I said the assurance. I didn't say you weren't saved. Only God knows when you cross that line. Are you hearing me? But the, when our assurance goes bye-bye, you want to know what makes it go bye-bye? Our works. It says it. Our works. If you're not living for God, your assurance, you're, 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 you're going to be convicted. Your conscience is going to be knocking on your heart saying, this isn't right. This isn't right. You need to obey that. Are you hearing me? 
it's our works. It's our, and, and I'll tell you, that's, that's the same with, I, I, I know you know what I'm talking about, and I felt that. When, when I know there, there's something that wasn't right in my life, you know, and then the thought would come to me, man, what if, I, what if I took my last breath right now, man? This would be kind of scary because I just don't have the confidence toward God. Are you hearing me? You, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Or, or I preach to the choir. I'm trying to be relevant today. Yeah. Or hopefully every time I preach. But it's in our works. But how many of you found out, like I found out, when you're diligent, and you're diligently making good decisions, and you're staying away from sin, and you're, you, just, you know you're in the path of righteousness, there's nothing that you can say that, I mean, you, you feel clean, and you have assurance. You're like, man, boy, if I were to die right now, boy, I, I, I would be ready to go. I just, you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That's some good preaching. Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way that we as Christians are able to prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God according to the scripture, is to renew our minds with the word of God. What does that mean? It means to read the word, study the word, think on the word. And really what we're doing when we're renewing our mind with the word of God, we're flushing that worldly toilet. We're flushing all those worldly mindsets down. We're getting rid of these worldly mindsets. Because I'm telling you right now, Worldliness corrupts our spiritual judgment. Worldliness blurs our spiritual vision. And that's the danger of constantly feeding on secular things. Secular television. The negativity. The, oh, look how the world accepts homosexuality. Oh, look how, you know, the world accepts fornication. You know, you got to try that partner out before you marry them. Hello, somebody worldliness blurs our spiritual vision don't ever forget this we have a heavenly purpose for being on this earth we were created first and foremost to have a relationship with god and now that is only found through the lord through faith in the lord jesus christ this side of the fall And maintaining a heavenly perspective in your life will motivate you to live a life that is pleasing to God. You will hunger and desire to bring joy to God's heart. I was in here praying this week, and and I just kept saying, Lord, you know, I just want to bring joy to your heart. I just want to know that what I'm doing in life, that I'm bringing joy to him. That I'm not a burden on his kingdom. I'm, I'm bringing joy to him. I'm a, I'm a blessing to his kingdom. How many of you want that too? I know you do. So starting right now, make your life count for the kingdom of God. The only way that is going to happen is if you maintain a heavenly perspective from this moment forward. And maintaining a heavenly perspective is truly the key to victory in this life. 
and a storing up of many treasures in the life which is to come in heaven for eternity. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. A storing up of treasures in heaven. This life, the Bible says, is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But eternity is exactly that. Forever and ever and ever. Now, maybe there's someone in this place you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm telling you right now, if you're an unbeliever, you're on borrowed time. You're on borrowed time, and it is the mercy of God that you still have breath in your lungs. You watching online, you too. There's someone watching me. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. When you take your last breath and you're dead on this earth, it's over. What you have done with Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to have the privilege of praying with you. And I want you to come down here. I want to pray with you to have a new birthday, the born-again experience. Don't, listen, don't leave this earth. Don't leave this service. Don't shut that computer off without making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And I want, if you're in this building, I want you to meet me by this drum set. Now, maybe there's someone, maybe there's just more people here or watching online. You fit in this category, the second category. Where, frankly, if you were to die right now, you, you don't have a clue if you would go to heaven. You've lost that assurance because maybe you've entangled yourself in worldly things. Maybe you've entangled yourself in sin. And today you said, you know what, I want that assurance back. I hate feeling this way. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to meet me by this drum set. Maybe you're in this place and you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, learn more about that experience. I want you to come up and wait for me at this drum set right here. And I want to pray with you. Amen. Maybe you need a physical healing. Maybe you need an emotional healing. Maybe you just need prayer for something other than that. I'm available for you to pray with me. I'll tell you what. If you need prayer, lift your hand right now. If there's just a situation in your life, just lift your hand. And I want your neighbors to go over to you right now and pray with you about that situation. So those who have their hands raised, people who don't have your hands raised, come and gather around those people, and I want you to pray for them, okay? Worship the Lord as the music plays.
maybe there's someone watching online you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. I want you to say, God, I am a sinner. But right now, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross. He shed his blood for me. He died, and he rose again the third day. And it's that Jesus, the Son of God, that I confess as Lord and Savior of my life right now. Heavenly Father, baptize me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to do your will. I renounce Satan. I renounce every evil and unclean spirit. And I take hold of you and your son Jesus Christ right now. Help me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, is there any prayer requests from online? There they are right there. Got one here. Thank you, sir. Okay. One request here from a Kimberly. She knows a six-year-old little boy named Pablo. And the doctors have found spots on the little six-year-old kid's lungs. Stretch your hands toward that camera right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for that little six-year-old Pablo. Lord, we know this is not your will. Sickness and disease is not the will of God. And in the authority in the name of Jesus, with confidence, we speak to those growths in the lungs of Pablo. And I say, growths, I curse you at the root. And I command you to die and dissolve right now. And I lose life over Pablo. I lose healing over that child right now. And I say, Pablo, you're going to live a long and healthy life in Jesus' name. Satan, you loose that little boy's body. Leave him now in Jesus' name. And Lord, do your thing you do best, working miracles and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Jeanette right now. We just pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen her and her family. That, Lord God, that the whole family, her marriage, Lord God, everything would come together. Lord God, that Jeanette and her husband would walk side by side. That you would take them both into the fullness of the things of God. That they both would have a heavenly perspective. That they both, Lord God, would, would hunger and thirst for everything that you have for them. In Jesus' name. And we pray right now there's a Gail. Gail who's watching. And she wants to have the assurance of her salvation. Gail, just right now, say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for falling away from you. Forgive me for sinning against you. I, I confess those sins to you right now. I forsake those sins to you right now. And I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross. He is resurrected from the dead. That He is alive right now. He's alive and well. And it's that Jesus I confess as Lord of my life. And say, God, use me to shake this earth for Jesus. Pray it. Just pray it, Gail. And see what God does in your life. And the doors he opens to lead others to him. Hallelujah. We pray for Bob's heart right now. Lord God, for Bob, his heart to be softened. Lord God, that he would see things from a spiritual perspective. That, Lord, the brokenness in his heart would be mended, healed right now in the name of Jesus. That you would send other laborers into his path who will speak words of healing to him. That will take him up. That will mentor him in the things of God. And that he would be strong in your will, God. 
And he would let go of, of the things of the world. He would let go of Satan's things and take hold of your things. So Lord, send those labors to him right now in Jesus' name. Uh, Dale, our good friend from Australia, down under, is watching right now. We love you, Dale and Riz. Great people. Um, he says here that they're struggling to find sponsors for eight children at Shepherd's Arms. Must be a ministry that supports needy children or something. Father, we agree with Dale and Riz right now. We pray you would send those eight people to them who will sponsor those eight children, whatever this is, Lord. Lord, send those individuals. Lead Dale to those individuals right now speedily that these eight children would be taken care of in Jesus' mighty name. Encamp them with your holy angels and meet every need for them in Jesus' name. Uh, and Lord, we just pray Romans 8, 28 for Kathy. That Lord, every bit of evil that's been done in her life, every hurt, every wound that she's had in her life, Lord, that you would just turn it around for good because she loves you. I know Kathy. Kathy's a wonder, wonderful lady. She's from Austin, Texas. She's a she watches us all the time. Father, turn this around for Kathy. She loves you. She wants your will to be done. She is the call according to your purpose, Lord. So, Lord, right now, send those ministering spirits into that situation and turn this around that you, Jesus, would be glorified and that Kathy would be delivered from this. And we're expecting praise reports, Kathy. Um... We, we pray for Dale's wife, Riz. She wants prayer for her studies. Lord God, we just pray that you would give her a memory like no other. That the Holy Spirit would bring things to her remembrance that she needs for tests, for homework, the classes, Lord. That she would do, be not just working in the natural, but in the supernatural power of God. So, Lord God, we pray for her. We pray you'd give her strength. We pray you would lead her and guide her into the will of God for her life and ministry. In Dale also, in Jesus' name. Um, she also wants prayer for, uh, she, oh, let me see, come on. Okay, she desires to reach the, uh, first class honors, um, and receive a medical scholarship. Father, I pray that every bit of her schooling would be paid for in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would just send the money from the north, south, east, and the west. Lord, that the favor of God would be on Riz and Dale. That the finances would come in. Lord, that she would dwell in the peace that passes all understanding, Lord. Knowing that you are taking care of it. Riz, just hold on to God. Hold on to him. Stay faithful to him. Trust and obey him. This is going to come through in Jesus' name. Um... Well, thank you. Dale says that they love us and that they're praying for us and, and my family. Thank you so much. We love and appreciate you. Now, I also want to pray for, I want to have uh, Jerry, Angela, Kathy, the whole family. Come on up here right now. Uh, we just recently found out that uh, Jerry and Angela's daughter, Carrie, that they found growth. Uh, some, a growth or growth? In the neck, in the, on the lymph nodes. Okay. We're gonna come against this. All right, all right. Face the people here. Stretch your hands toward this family right now. We are not gonna let this happen in Jesus' name. We need to take authority over this. Amen. I know Carrie 
She loves the Lord. She's a precious, precious woman of God. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I lay hands on Jerry and Angela. Carrie is the fruit of Angela's womb. And we loose your anointing, your healing power over Carrie. I command every growth, whether it's cancerous or not, I curse it at the root and command it to disappear. No! Dissolve in Jesus' mighty name. I command every growth, every, Jesus, you said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. So I command these growths that do not belong in Carrie's body, I command these growths to be rooted up in Jesus' mighty name right now. And we apply the word of God that by Jesus' stripes she has been healed. And we loose your healing power through her neck, through her lungs, through her whole body. If there is any cancer, I command every cancer cell to die and dissolve and new and healthy cells to be formed, her blood to be cleansed. Lord, wherever Carrie is at right now, we loose your power upon her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. And we say, Carrie, you be healed according to the word of God and in the name of Jesus. And I command every evil and unclean spirit attacking her body, spirit of infirmity, go, come out of her in Jesus' name right now. And I lose life through her. And I command all fear to go. And the peace that passes all understanding to flow through Carrie right now. In Jesus' name. And we believe, God, that you are doing a mighty work. And we are expecting a praise report. And we hold on to you during this storm. Nobody likes to get a praise report like Or nobody likes to get an evil report like that. But we're believing you for the praise report. And we, we verbally confess it. We believe it. We're just not speaking it. We believe I believe in your word, Father. We all believe in your word. This whole congregation and those watching online, and we come into agreement that this situation is going to turn and that Jesus is going to be glorified and Carrie is going to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Well, those of you watching online, thank you so much. Tune in next week. We'll be here, same place. Oh, actually, May 2nd, which is Saturday, right? That is May 2nd. May 2nd, this Saturday, we're going to be broadcasting live 6 p.m. Eastern. We have a healing and miracle service right here at RCC. If you're able to come, try to be here. If not, tune in. Be blessed. We, you will see us Saturday. Amen. God bless you. All right, everyone. couple of announcements before you go here. Uh, and we have a meeting after service here. In about five to ten, about ten minutes, we're going to start our congregation meeting. For everyone who considers this their home church, everyone who considers this their home church, stay for this meeting. It's a financial meeting to talk.